0: Before I get too far into this, I just want to say, if this is the first episode you've ever heard of this show, you might want to try another one. This is a little bit on the outer edges of what we typically do around here, but I have faith that the folks who have listened to this show for quite a while will take this journey with me. Quite a few years ago, I played my very first gig in Bergen, Norway and I landed at the airport and the promoter came and picked me up. He was a very nice man named Pitten. I didn't know anything about him at all, but I had just seen a documentary in Nashville at our little art theater called Until the Light Takes Us. And it was about the birth of the black metal scene in Norway. And it was on my mind. I really enjoyed the documentary. It's one of my favorite music documentaries to this day. Just a strange, strange doc that you ought to look up. As Pitton was driving me to my hotel, we had about a half-hour drive, and I asked him, I said, do you know anything about the black metal scene around here? He's a very quiet, calm, peaceful man. He was very nice to be around. We talked a little bit, but he wasn't opening up. But after a while, he finally opened up and started talking. And I figured out that he had produced some of the albums that helped define what black metal is. You know, most people think of folk music as being regional. And uh, there's uh, arguments that there's no such thing as folk music anymore, because music isn't regional anymore. I have a very unpopular view of that that not a lot of my friends agree with. But I like to think of folk music as something a little more broad, something that isn't just a person playing acoustic guitar somewhere. I think of the earliest forms of hip hop in neighborhoods in New York City as being a form of folk music. And uh, it was indigenous to that area. And I also think of black metal as being some form of folk music, something that happened in a in a circle of friends and um, grew across the world. I explained that to Pitton when we were in the car, and I asked him, do you see where I'm coming from with that? And he said he was nice enough to at least pretend that he thought there was some validity to it. So as you're listening to this, I just want you to know that that's the frame of reference that I have in my mind with this episode. And I appreciate you taking this journey with me. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Pitten. Pitten is a producer and a recording engineer and a bass player who lives in Bergen, Norway. Pitten produced some of the most influential recordings that helped define the sound that is Norwegian black metal. Pitten was nice enough to meet up with me in my hotel room in Bergen, Norway. He'd promoted a couple of my gigs at a place called The Garage. I guess it's a bit of a ground zero for black metal. I love thinking that this room where so many black metal concerts were held is the same place that Towns Van Zandt or Guy Clark would play when they came to Bergen. And I like Pitten a lot. He's a really, really good guy. And I think he has really great energy about him. A very calm, positive energy that I enjoy being around. I should also say that I want to thank my buddy Runa for making this happen. He uh, did a lot of legwork to getting both of us in the same room together and I very much appreciate that. I really enjoyed hanging with Pitten and this opportunity to learn things that I knew nothing about. So with that in mind, here's Pitten.
1: It was probably, I would say it was pure accident. Uh, a guy I went to, to high school, college with, called me up and he said, eh, Pitten, my, my, my son has a band and he likes like to record and you have a studio. He said, okay, be great, I said. And he said, well, don't say that until you hear his music. <laughs> the, I was already done all these American trash bands, some, some Europeans as well. I was really into that on TV. So I, I like these strange and, and not, not or, or different harmonic chord structures mm-hmm. with, with half notes and all the fifth and then distorted guitars. So I was, I had listened to Trash and then this guy came to my studio and uh, started playing. And I was, wow, <laughs> what is this? Well, I just started recording it, I didn't, it was really strange, because it was, a, it, was a, it was a world that was completely unknown to me. So I had to sit back after the first day, I think, what are you going to do with this? I thought, and I, thought I was really thinking hard about it, and I, I thought, well, you can like the music if you get some time, and uh, you have your skills. You have your rock background, straight rock background, playing and working in the studio. I thought what you need to do is a kind of structuring it and uh, and tidying what they do, uh, at least the sound, so that people will be able to, to, to hear the difference between guitar, bass and and, and, and vocal. I mean, everything's distorted. Absolutely everything except the drums. Well, even even those are distorted sometimes. So you distort the bass, you put it on a distorted guitar, and you scream a distorted vocal, like in Black Metal, quite quite uh, quite high pitch. So that's what I did. I used my my background. I cleaned up, especially the drums. Really, 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 n- no no messy sound. I had to use a lot of frequency taking away frequencies making room for everything in the same picture because to me producing is or a part of it is somebody comes with an idea and you take that idea and you bring it through a technical system emotions as well and you deliver it to someone they should just should think oh I want to play that again yeah. I think that's really important because uh, it's not about me, it's a bit about the band, and the guys, but it's mainly deliver something that people will, uh, that people will, oh, I'm oh, here again. And I think that goes music. You know, this started off with cassettes before the CDs we started. We started, in, well not before, but, but, but the CDs were really costly to, to, to make, it, to use as a demo. So we started on cassettes. And they spread on an underground on an underground uh, ground cult during the war. They, people, people were sending printed small small letters with the cassettes and selling it all over the world. But the band was amputation, old funeral.
0: When we first met a few years ago, yeah. You said something to me that stuck with me ever since then. You said that when you were first started recording this stuff that you, uh, you quickly learned that it, the importance of embracing the ugliness and everything. Yes. And I thought that yes. was a, a beautiful quote.
1: <laughs> well, thank you.
0: <laughs> in what ways would you embrace the ugliness?
1: Well, it is a part, it is a part of what I just said about this. I have to tidy it because. Most people in my generation that hear this music, especially for the first time or a few first time would think, wow, what is this? This is just this is this is ugly. It's no good. And and um, and, and because it's harsh, it's so distorted. I mean, what they don't distort with with uh, with with machines or, or, or pushing type type levels, you distort by screaming. So the voice is distorted by when you sing it, it's distorted. These guys going in the studio, screaming and making funny noises. And I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, this this uh, this idea about that it was ugly, it's extended my my my, my level and my, my knowledge and my words about dynamics, because it is it is um, it is part of of the dynamic in the song. And in sound, more more like in the sound than in. The song. But I have to tell you about one drummer. He was from somewhere east in Norway. They came to Bergen to stay in my studio, and I'm uh, working, and he was a drummer. And I said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" I looked at this guy. He was skinny. I mean, I'm a bit skinny, but he was he was much more skinny than me. And I, and he said, "Yes, yes, yes, absolutely." I said, okay, but you know, what we're going to do here is something that you will live with for the rest of your life. So it has to be the best you can do. Okay, he said. And then we started working. <laughs> and I was pushing, and he was playing. Like, not very well. And I was I was pushing, and I was pushing. and I said, but I need a break. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, come on in. And they came into the control room, and he sat down, and he was just sitting back at the wall with his head back to the wall, his mouth open, and he was struggling for breath. And one of his, I think it was his 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 uh, kicked round foot, was really shaking, completely out of control. <laughs> <laughs> and I would I just
0: started laughing.
1: <laughs> it was. It, it, it was like this.
0: <laughs> Absolutely out of control. This is a physical music. Extreme. How did you meet Varg?
1: Well, I started, like I said, with this band, Amputation, went to Old Funeral, and there was a there was other band, when they heard what I did with them, the other guys, the other band came to me and I started working with more and more people. And he was, and he was just one person that was, he, he was in the environment, but he was he was a bit withdrawn, didn't say much and uh, really kind of quiet person. He was a hangar, he was standing by, he was just, he, I don't know why he did it, but he, 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 he just sort of sorted out what I was doing and then suddenly one day he came and he said, Pitten, can we do a record? I was said, I will. So we did a lot of records
0: actually. I think I've read somewhere along the line about uh, if you were trying to find guitar amps, mm-hmm. you wouldn't choose the ones that maybe you would always use. You would choose the one amp that maybe didn't work so great. That was really easy with Vogue because we, we, we started off with finding a guitar sound.
1: And then we used one guitar sound left and another one right and that was it and uh i'll be using a lot of amps but one i got stuck with was an um, was a pv bandit something i don't remember i have it some stored away someplace something.
0: a bandit 65 something like it yeah. yeah with a green with a green and black front <laughs> <laughs> I used to play country music through one of those. Today,
1: well, I, I, I lent it to my friend, which was rehearsing in my studio, and he said, oh, we can't use this amp. <laughs> Still, I'm not into all this well-produced black metal. There's a lot of black metal coming from Germany. Well, now it comes from everywhere because, because the people are better players got more money so they got better equipment and this made quite a bit of amps and an equipment directed on the black metal sound or, or or the hard distorted sound i can use those amps but i prefer working around it to see if we can maybe get something else like black metal guitar players they they, they they're really using their pick quite a bit so it's it's just you have a sound coming from the strings, which is not musical. Back to the ugliness, which yeah. is bzzz, just goes on like this. So it's 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 a physical situation with a pick against against the strings, like the fiddle player, the bow against the strings. Yeah. And but I was in a situation, like I said, I never heard the music before. I never knew the guys; and we were young kids. I would almost uh, on 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 the the age the of their fathers. So I got, it, I got some sort of, I was a grown up person within them, what they were doing and environment. And there were very, very few others, mm. probably somewhere else in, in, in Norway, some studio people. I realized this was really, this was really, really a very special music. But I didn't, I didn't start out thinking, oh, nobody else does this. I was just thinking, I kind of like it. And I, I like it even more the more I work with it. And I had I, I was working quite a bit with a lot of I mean there was a lot of bad just coming to Bergen to to record in my studio. And some some of, some of, some of the, the the melody lines, in all this distortion, you see, in in even strange chords chords, and uh, and uh, all this distorted guitar sound somewhere in it that's 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 a melody so i was always looking for that melody i was looking with before we well, looking for using different uh, amps we started we used a lot of different amps. I have one one amp i used was just a marshal like in like in four five inches speaker that was one of, at one i think it was the right side of one of vogue's albums and a lot of strange stuff so that I did, and then I started thinking, well, some of these melodies are really beautiful. And it reminds me of uh, a book. My mother was uh, a hobby organ flute player, singing, professional singer for a period of her life. And she had this, this book, which was with a really Norwegian cover, one of these romantic painters. Which was called Book Koralboken, which is uh, which is something like the Norwegian books of Chorals. and all these melodies, or some of these melodies in in the black metal songs, reminded me of some of the melodies from that book that my mother was playing. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, so what you do, you put, you have it, you have a melody, you mainly put on a fifth and you distort it, and you got a bloody new sound. A fantastic sound, and it changes. If you go on one, two strings just up and down the frets, it would stay almost alike. If you go on different strings, you would get a completely different sound from the two same notes because of all the harmonics going on in the distortion. So I was really, <laughs> I just, wow, just fell into it. <laughs> These uh, songs, the Norwegian choral Books of calls. Um uh, it came from it came from to me it kind of came from the woods. And these people were doing a lot of strange things in the woods. Something they they, they uh, came to the studio and I said, Whoa, what happened? And it was like pulling their shirt down and saying, Oh, never mind, nothing. Uh, nothing. <laughs> then they made their own tattoos. And a tattoo? And a tattoo Okay. But they, they didn't use colour, they used salt. Oh. because then you got a scar that would last uh-huh. and for the time being when they were these guys were kids probably they hoped it would last for their life <laughs> So, and that part of, of, of the black metal scene I I observed it but as I did with uh, with uh, with uh, other stuff that started happening as the years went by I didn't ignore it but I didn't put myself into it i thought well i'm going to be here with these guys i like them i like the music i see they can sometimes need not, not well maybe some guidance and if someone's going to guide these guys which is doing so i mean strange and, 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 and really bad things they need to be trusted and in a way i thought <laughs>
0: when did you find out about the church burnings and and did it shock you when you heard about that stuff
1: yeah it did because to me i i mean i don't like i don't like violence i'm not a person who break things just for breaking things like when you get mad or frustrated and stuff so to me that is uh, that was really strange and uh, burning down this stave church of Bergen van Toft, which is, is it's one of the covers, this church was hundreds of years old. So if you burn it down and you build it up again, it's a new church. Yeah. All the mystique, all this fantastic world that lasted for so many, so many, many, many years was gone. Yeah. I think, I, think I, I don't appreciate those kind of acts at all.
0: Was it just a stupid prank in his mind, or did he think it would get him publicity, or any idea why he was? W-
1: abs- no, I don't really. I don't. But it would absolutely, absolutely be uh, be uh, an act of publicity. There was another guy. I won't name him. Who who said? Well, and he w- he was convinced. He was convinced uh, heathen. That would you call it. Heathen. Yeah. Yeah and he said well to me burning down a church is is in a way i really disagree with the, i really disagree with the christianity and a lot of what they stand for and to me burning down a church is just an argument wow rough and hard argument but i mean that's that's a way of seeing it and i said okay
0: yeah uh, that's a reach there's yeah, I mean,
1: if someone uses, if you uses that kind of argument to someone, they can actually use it back. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you better watch your step. Yeah. Did any of these actions ever affect you where people would attack you for being associated with uh, some of these folks?
1: No, not really. But I know people has been, I think they have been wondering, what you're doing? I mean, why, do you, why, do, why are you with these people? Why are you working? But as I said, I did it because it was, they started off as kids and they got really, oh, how should I put it, some of them went really far off. In the twigs, if you like.
0: Yeah.
1: And the uh, beginning of summer in June, we were mixing the Mayhem album. And Oestein and me was, we were kind of close both working and 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 in opinions and, and on music and and we had we had really plans that we both of us were looking forward to to, to put to life. So i um, I thought that was a tense situation. I was, asked some people I said what's going on? Oh, never mind. Britain, never mind. And then we went on holiday to Greece. And my eldest daughter, one day she just called me and told me the story. And I was
0: really shocked. I was indeed really, really shocked for the people. Don't know. They don't know. Mm. Could you say a little bit of what happened? Just the people listening to this might. Oh, yeah, know yeah I don't
1: you mean all the story, but yeah. they don't. Yeah. Well, it was um, it was like uh, we were mixing an album, a Mayhem album. And Varg was a bass player in those days in Mayhem. So we were working together in the studio, and Einstein, he was the guitar player and the head man. He was uh, he was uh, had had the band philosophy. He had the lyrics, he had the songs, and uh, and uh, we finished the album, hugged each other, and he went back to Oslo, and I went on holiday, and then uh, after being on holiday for five six days, my eldest daughter c- called me, and she said you know dad asten is dad and vog probably killed him i was that was a complete shock and i remember one of the first things of course it, i was thinking of Einstein. i was thinking but it that was almost unreal but what i really was thinking of and that's probably because well i was a father i had uh, i had kids almost their age and uh, I was thinking, oh, oh, poor, poor parents. That was one of my first thoughts yeah. on that as well. And I,
0: yeah. <laughs> did, he, did you get to talk to him in this period at all? Yeah. Did he deny it? No, we didn't talk about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a, it's a, it's, my attitude was to, what what I should call my attitude was maybe a bit too in the direction of accepting the situation because we actually never discussed it as an action but I was really worried was about him going to prison I was really worried about uh, about uh, his parents and I was worried about Easton's parents because they had such a shock losing their child even if he was in his mid twenties, it was well, yeah, it was it was really, really bad. But I couldn't let him just go. When he when he sought contact, to, oh, when, when he sought me out, I thought, okay, I'm speaking. I did Uh, I know people have in a way criticized me because i I accept a lot of this stuff going on both in lyrics and and mainly attitudes. Some of these guys have been uh, through the years have been have been uh, have been uh, exposing and i don't i don 't accept it but i 'm back to this situation where I say, well, sometimes they need someone which they feel comfortable with from <laughs> the rest of the world as well. And I, I, I think that's me. Yeah. It has been me. So I don't agree in a lot of this stuff. I don't agree with the lyrics. I don't need to, to listen to song with that kind of lyrics, but it, I mean, it is what it is. It, it's an image. And the, some of it is, it's not a philosophy. It's just bad. It's just, just not, 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 not bad as bad, but bad as really <laughs> ugly, mm-hmm. hard, and and uh, and for many people shocking words put together. Like I said to, like I said to, to the guitars and the band I'm working with now, I said, you know, do you play this at home? And he said, yes. You got kids, I know? And he said, Yes. So what about your kids and the lyrics? They don't, don't know any English? Well they do, he said. <laughs> and then he started laughing. I said, I was driving one of my kids to the kindergarten, and uh, in the back, I was playing one of the songs that we have been working on. And this little kid in the back seat was sitting on his way to the kindergarten, singing along, and the chorus went, Hail Satan! <laughs>
0: And the little kid was singing it. Yeah,
1: but he his dad was <laughs> laughing at it though, and he said, "Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not play that on on, on the way to school or to the kindergarten." <laughs> so, so, but I don't know. They were really serious about it. I think. Mm. And there was kids. They were, they were growing up, and what do they do when they, when you grow up? You need something for yourself, and they. I think it would be. One of the art forms to, to, to take the whole picture that's been lasting, that's been really withstanding commercialization. That was a difficult word. Because still they don't play genuine, and I mean genuine, ugly, blackmail.
0: Did heavy metal fans start showing up at your studio, like making a pilgrimage? Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, quite a bit.
1: I still, I still, still have calls from or mails from people who want to see the studio. I'm not in Gringal anymore, but uh, Gringal tells me they have, and and they had people coming to just to just be there. They they stay silent. It's sort of I don't know, maybe a bit sacred place for them. And to be honest being being uh, being into a music scene having people coming and behave like they do it's a bit overwhelming being have, having a studio that produce that kind of music so that people come and that they are indeed pilgrims mm. they are indeed so it's a really respected and i well i think it's very very touchy touching yeah yeah I think it is I because think it's it, a, it need to it, it really need to mean something for them. Yeah. there was an Italian an, an Italian guy who, who who phoned me and he said if I put Pittman, I'm putting you see I'm in Oslo with my son and we we are about to board the train it was early morning seven thirty something and we come to Bergen and he's a, he's a big fan of, of the black metal scene in Bergen can we have can we meet you and you show us your studio and I said yes yeah. so
0: Yeah, (laughs) I think you should be proud of that. Yeah, I am. It's no different than people making a pilgrimage to Memphis and seeing Sun Studios. It's something that was born here that you were part of, and uh, you should be proud that they want to come and and be part of it in some way.
1: Yeah, and as I said, the overwhelming part of it is, is what we did means so much to some people that they really want to do that.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to oh share some stories. It's beautiful to see you again. Yes, same. (laughs) I hope things are good with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really sorry I couldn't join you on on your show tonight, but I mean, black metal comes first.
0: I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Pitten for meeting up with me in that hotel room in Bergen, Norway. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out, but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.